this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Wednesday afternoon in a movie we have been hotly anticipating. It's War of the Planet of the Apes, guys. We can't freaking wait. It's an incredible third film and an incredible trilogy. Andy Serkis deserves a freaking Oscar. We'll see you guys in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. What's up, everybody? Oh, it's just pure sex. Every time so I hear good. it, it's war. so good. War. It's wars <laughs> upon us. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy, mm. the Popcorn Talk Network, the uh, online broadcast network. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 All right, then. Uh, I watched Two Guns, by the way. Yes, you did. Yeah. Uh, I I heard that you were not the biggest fan. It was fine. It was, it was fine. Yeah. I... Yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, guys, it's Action Movie Anatomy here on the Popcorn Talk Network. We're talking pop culture by the bucket full. But today, we're talking action movies because we talk action movies here every single week. Uh, as we know, we're the action movie show. Right? That's right. Yeah. So I'm your host, Ben Bateman. I'm looking right here. Uh, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, I'm the co-host, co-creator, co-all-star. All-star? I don't know. Co-star? <laughs> Co-host? Did you just make up a title uh, for yourself? I don't know what's happening to me today. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Andrew Guy. You can find me at Andrew Guy and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. 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 You guys can find the podcast, that AMA podcast. And there's a Facebook fan page, too, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you guys have been interacting there a lot. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, on the couch, we got Blue Eyes. Welcome hey, to the show. There she is. <laughs> Marina, how you doing? Good. How are you both? We're very excited. Did you like this movie? Did you enjoy it? Obsessed. I loved it. Yeah. It we was... actually saw it all together. It I fun. know. It was fun team bonding. Did we, you ever post that picture of us well, with the apes? I was going to say, we tried to have a, a security guard take a picture. I feel like if you work anywhere yeah. in this day and age, right. you, it, you and you have to interact with human beings, you, you know have to, to know how to take a picture. He it's, fiddled with the phone for, i got to say, two minutes and took a total of one, one picture, picture that was totally backlit and blown <laughs> yeah. out. Yep. He did take just one. <laughs> you could actually only see Andrew for some reason. Like, I don't know, maybe it's what he was wearing against the backlight. And then it's just me and Ben in darkness. Who, like, who does that? Where he's like, okay, I'm taking a couple of working on the angle uh oh should i turn the flash on you look you're like your thumb was covering it and you took one picture (laughs) like what's the matter it was what i was wearing which you thought was that was funny to you what i was wearing i thought i looked great andrew was double fisting drinks with a pair of sweatpants that said the liquor league on i mean (laughs) ben got me those sweatpants they also said champion on them any war flip-flops any war war flip-flops yeah yeah (laughs) never to be photographed in public (laughs) <laughs> Why are we, what are we here for today what are we, we just gonna... so yeah guys we're here to talk about this film mm. uh war for the planet of the apes it it was so good i am i'm just like so excited to talk about this movie and i just want to say really quickly to all of those out there being like this franchise takes itself too seriously and uh this movie is overrated it's not very good you can blow me because this movie was <laughs> <Well>. unbelievable <laughs> yeah i mean i i share the same sentiments maybe Maybe not quite as aggressive, but I do feel I do feel about the same way. Um, someone just said in the chat, "Are we going to rank the franchise before it's over?" Yes, we will. We're going to talk about a lot of things in this episode, but uh, yeah, one of the things that we're not going to talk about a lot is if, uh, was that this movie was not good because it was too dark and too real. Uh, we're going to talk about it being real and dark, but I don't think that it suffered because of it. I think that's one of the reasons that it's going to be a movie that is iconic. Yeah, something that's really important to point out. I mean, my comment was a little bit aggressive, but... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you guys know, Ben. Yeah, the point is, like, Andrew and I, you know, we watch movies <clears throat> for a living every single week. This is what we do, and... What we found is, if you talk about a movie like an old movie, like, for instance, you know I hate Scarface. Yeah. I'm, like, one of the only people in the world who cannot 
fucking stand Scarface. I yeah. hate it. Um, I don't like Brian De Palma. It's not a popular opinion. You've had a long time to yes. create that opinion, though. That, yes. That opinion, fortunately, for my sake, is relevant because people have had over 30 years to appreciate Scarface. So if I don't like mm-hmm. Scarface, you guys can be like, well, all these other people like it, so your opinion's just wrong. That's fine. I'm right. happy to ruin that movie you can also be you. like, you know what? I saw it in theaters. I saw it at home. I own it. I watched it five years ago. I watched it ten years ago. I watched it yesterday, and I still yeah. love it. Right. You've had a lot of history to decide that you like Scarface. Whereas with a movie like this, it's like if you start telling people, well, you should watch for these seven things that are going to make you dislike this movie that you were prepared to like, it just poisons your experience as a movie watcher. And we're just not in the business of doing that. We don't. We talk about movies we like on the show. That's why we talk about them. Totally. And um, so why don't we talk about some of the things that are going to come up on the show today. We'll get into our rules. We'll do this whole damn thing. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So we talk about action movies on this show. And those action movies are here for basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays <sighs> by their own rules. And he, oh, Caesar. Like Caesar is going to be real well. Yeah. You're going to fit these rules real well. Yeah. Uh, rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, animals, what have you in the room. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I mean, definitely Caesar and Woody. Yeah. McCulloch. McCulloch. Uh, <laughs> they're, uh, they're the smartest. They're smartest in the room, for sure. He's a brilliant, ruthless commander. Yeah. Caesar is He's a, now driven by hatred, too. Or they're both just driven by hate. Caesar is marshalling the war from a hidden bunker. Yes. Um, <laughs> rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure or mercenary. I mean, yeah, Caesar's a... Caesar's a, a He's captain. a general. He's a general. Is he yeah. a general, officially? I mean, he's like the president. Yeah. He's just... In this world, he's got to be the president, right? Yeah. King Kong ain't got shit on him. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so definitely, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a military man. Mm-hmm. And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There's a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. This so movie's a straight-up action movie. Fits perfectly. Uh-huh. Yeah. This movie was a super satisfying, like, very, very dark beautiful action movie it, it truly is an action movie it's not a drama that we're trying to warp for the show yeah it's, it's true and there's a lot of times when we get these movies that that feel like you know the children of men's and the towns and sunshines right. and even 28 days later is out there where you feel like well 28 days is more because of a horror movie but the rest of them you're like ah it's a drama with a lot of good action in it or it's a drama with some good action in it yeah. this is an action drama like straight up right down the middle I think we're gonna do Children of Men at some point right? I love Children of Men you haven't seen that have you? oh that I movie's just tell. really yeah. good uh, yeah I, I, at one point we talked about not doing it I, thinking about it like we're gonna talk about a segment a little later here on the show speaking of which we should tease the segments we have coming up guys yeah. so we have a couple great things we have characters with incredible arcs we want to talk about uh that is something we're gonna be talking about later on the show we have uh greatest third films in trilogies or third films in franchises even franchises that continue going mm-hmm. uh and we have a special suggestion from Chaz hill the jaw drop moment which andrew's gonna be introducing the very first ever jaw drop moment on the show yep. so uh that's what we're gonna be doing today and uh let's get straight into our trailer before we do thesis statement let's do it i feel like you did a really good job today thank you yeah it was really nice yeah <laughs> marina were you impressed Thank you. She's been around for a month now. This movie looked, it like looked gorgeous. It was beautifully shot. It was incredible. I love Caesar. Yes. (laughs) I said, well, watch it again. I know. That voice. first, yeah, his voice in that first shot coming up through the woods yeah. was so Sick. beautiful. Yeah, it was amazing. But now you are here to finish us off for good. I did not start this. I love that line. Yeah. <laughs> Woody was sweet. He was really he was sweet. Actually, I was really worried he was going to be over the top. All of human history has led to this moment. The irony is we created you. 
creature has been punishing us ever since. Yeah, I love Maurice too. Uh-huh. Yeah. This Great sidekick. And if we lose. It will be a planet of apes. <sighs> yeah, fucking sweet. <clears throat> yeah, I just want, want to watch it right yeah, now. Definitely, I'm definitely gonna watch this full trilogy once this comes out on Blu-ray. I'll probably do the whole thing again. Even I mean, I just did the whole trilogy, but I'd like yeah. to watch it again, especially this movie. So, guys, we're gonna get into our first segment of the show, and this is thesis statement. It's your strongest, boldest, biggest thought about the film. Uh, it's something that you really feel when this film comes up at a party. You're gonna talk about. It, you're gonna say, you know, the thing about War, War for the Planet of the Apes is this, mm. and you'll defend it all throughout the conversation. I'm gonna jump in first with mine. This is the best film in the franchise, and the reason it stands as such a triumph is their choice to not bring back any human character film to film. Um, the greatest strength of this film is the fact that the apes are the only characters that you yeah. see film to film. It really puts the impetus on these characters. The most important character is Caesar. You don't have to deal with him you know, dragging James Franco around yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or Jason Clark and Carrie Russell like, being the sidekicks that help him out. To, like, the humans are... The other species, it's like evolution. They don't matter, even if they were nice to you. You know what I wonder is when <clears throat> this movie came out, when they cast it, and when uh, when Rise came out and the reception. Do you think they knew this was going to be an Andy Serkis trilogy? No, definitely no, right? not. Right? No, I don't. Think I don't they think they knew that. I think that was something they discovered after the success of the first one, and then the huge success of the second was like, wow, we found something incredible here. It's like even if you don't like the Hobbit movies, Benedict Cumberbatch as Smog is incredible. Yeah, right. You know, so like. I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. And, and like, I, I just think that the reason that it gets better is because of him. Yeah. Specifically. It's it. Yeah. And I, think, I think the choice to leave the human characters out of the story film to film is, like, it's brilliant. It's, like, the smartest, the smartest decision they made. Yeah. Because you don't care about it. You don't want anyone else to come back. Every, no. way, every time that they leave at the end of the film, it feels appropriate. Because even, like, it's, like, what happens at the end of the first movie where James Franco says, I'll protect you. And he just looks at him and you're just like, what are you talking about? You'll protect him. Like, you have no ability to protect him. Like, they're stronger yeah. and faster than you. And then, like, second, in the second movie, Jason Clark and Carrie Russell, you know, he's like, you have to get out of here now. Well, yeah, they got out of there. They're part of the human race. The human race is trying to make these guys extinct. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. You can't stay here with us. It doesn't matter that you like me, that we were friends, that we helped each other. You are literally part of the opposition. Like, you are part of a species that's trying to wipe me out. Yeah. Part of the so, problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like it's it's that's the sort of uh, brilliant part about these movies is that that's like speaking to the world. I mean, that's and that's not the way you handle a problem in the world. But when it comes to war, that's what war is. Your nations are at war. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's the thing is they that's what's so great about this trilogy. It speaks on these larger issues. If you want to talk about war in the second one, like you just did, and it's like having to pick a side. Like we've done that since the beginning of of the nation, the north and the south, and the east and the west, and the, all these things. You know the the. Uh, the <clears throat> And then you go in and you talk about, uh, I'll protect you. That line is so great because the whole movie of Rise is about James Franco wanting to take care of his dad. Yeah, right. It's about him wanting to take care of someone who who can't really be taken care of anymore. You know, right. and, and the roles are switched. It's like Franco, all he wants to do is take care of these people around him. His dad tells him, no, you can't. You can't help me anymore. Yeah, right. And Caesar is the exact same thing, but it's, it's because you're incapable of doing it. Right, yeah. Yeah, they would just weigh him down. I like that. Uh, Marina, do you have a, a thesis? So, the one I kind of teased to you guys that you called a very... What was it? Ballsy statement? I called it ballsy. Oh, yep. yeah. Okay. very ballsy. For me, I obviously appreciate the movie as I'm watching it, but one thing I do look for is how long it is. I just yeah. think that... I mean, what movie... Transformers, we were mad that it was 10 minutes too long. Right. I mean, the last 10 minutes could have been chopped out in the right. beginning 30. So it's just something I look for, and especially in action movies, you know, because you kind of need to get to the point, explosion here, there, everything's about timing. Right. This was the first movie in a very long time that I was not mad about it being two and a half hours. I did not find myself, you know, getting antsy. Like, I was so engaged mm -hmm. with Caesar's voice. Like, I, I, if I wasn't already in love with Caesar, I literally could have bawled at the end of this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but, no, it was the first movie in a really long time that I was totally okay with how long it was. Right, everything like it, it everything felt, in it needed to be there, if that makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. felt completely it felt complete. Yes. I agree. Yeah, I yeah. I didn't think that it was long in any way. I thought like it was it all needed to be there. 
Yeah. Uh, are there any in the chat that you want to throw up, Marina, or, or should I just hop in with mine? Because I've got I've got a pretty uh, I've got I've got a good one okay. today. Yeah. Okay. Marina, anything in there or no? No, you guys. One of the greatest enough. movie trilogy that I haven't seen. Seriously, haven't seen any of them. The greatest <laughs> that you haven't seen. That's, that's so really, interesting. Yes, we're <clears throat> going to spoil the film for you if you're yeah. in. Yeah. It's already ruined. Uh, this is a spoiler full episode, so I'll, I'll kind of hop on that, saying that this is the greatest trilogy you haven't seen. And the way that I'm going <laughs> to hop on that is saying that I was having a conversation with some friends, and, and my buddy Jack and I were talking about how we think this is going to be. It is truly one of the greatest trilogies ever made, and. And our other friend Leah goes, you talking about the stupid movie with the talking monkeys in it? And I'm like, yeah, you have no idea. And what your blood boils. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> wait, oh my god, I would have walked. Right? You're like, conversation you, over. You don't get, you, you don't understand. In the first movie, he didn't talk. He just said, no, no. And, you know, he yelled at a bunch. And it's like, it, it's evolved into this. It's a whole world that's been created. So she's like, I've never seen any of them. It's just as stupid. And, and that was my point. <laughs> Andrew flipped out. I flipped out. Uh, I'm on the run. Uh, <laughs> is that this is going to be and is probably the most underappreciated trilogy ever. Yeah. And I say that it's the most underappreciated because it is so good and there's so many people that haven't even seen one of them. Right. There's a lot of trilogies out there that are get overappreciated, you know, and, and there's ones that everyone talks about. You know, the biggest ones are Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, you know, Toy Story, Godfather. Right. You know, now there's, uh, I mean, you can't even do Toy Story anymore because there's going to be a fourth one. Yeah. The Cars is not even in the same. Right. You know, right. so like what other great trilogies out there are this good that speak on like sociological things when they come out that that are dark that are inspiring that are that are you know what, what other movies tell me yeah guys i think it spawns a good conversation right? which is like let's let's discuss what is the greatest third film in a trilogy of all time or single trilogy based on the success of the third film and you mentioned a couple just now i think that there are a handful of really really good ones uh, it should be noted so you mentioned The Godfather. That's a good example of one where I think does, it doesn't apply because the third film's terrible. It's terrible. It's, it's, yeah. does, it's, a, it's technically a trilogy. You have a lot of movies where the third film tries to be great and just falls flat. I mean, we love Transformers 1. Transformers is not no. good after the first film. Like The Matrix is a great trilogy, but it's not that good. No, the, the first movies are garbage. Amazing. Yeah. Um, films where the third film is truly great or the best part of the franchise are few and far between so i think let's throw out a couple of the best and most obvious ones right off the bat return of the jedi comes to mind as a film that is part of one of the most important trilogies ever now a lot of people don't like jedi a lot of people say jedi is the worst film in that trilogy Uh, it, it happens to be my personal favorite return of the king yeah you know that was it's one of the ones that I, I went through a phase like in my when I was younger, it was two towers, then I got a little a little older and it was Return of the King because it's just so sentimental, it's so but now I go back and it's like the first one is definitely my favorite. But Return of the King is fantastic. It won thirteen Academy Awards. Yeah, Return of the King's amazing. Uh, Fellowship is definitely my favorite. Others that jump out to me here that are just unbelievable. Recently we have Captain America Civil War. That's a great trilogy. It's a really good movie. First of my favorite in the three. Winter Soldier Civil War. I think Winter Soldier is great. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if Winter Soldier I'm not sure which I like better. Speaking of which, actually, uh, I interviewed Anthony Mackie last week, which oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I did. I talk about that on the show last week. I think you did. Can't remember. But if you guys want to check it out, it was a great interview. It was super cool to talk to him. He tells a great story about Morgan Freeman yeah. and uh, his inspiration as an actor. You can find that on Popcorn Talk uh, in their red carpet coverage stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that Captain America Civil War is a great third film. Yeah, you got a, the Born Ultimatum is your absolute favorite Bond I love film. Yeah, the the when we went back on the show to do them, you I like actually thought Identity was sweeter. Yeah, Ultimatum was my favorite for a long time, but Identity is just better. Um, Someone just said Revenge of the Sith. Get out! Get out of the <laughs> chat. Uh, Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, yeah. If if Mission Impossible was a trilogy, it would be. It would have been. It'd be sad because four and five are so good. Yeah, but MI three is definitely still my favorite. Yeah, I mean, three is definitely the best in the trilogy of the first three mm-hmm. <laughs> by a pretty wide margin. Yeah, yeah it's not really close. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, those are just third films, and uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance is also in there. Um, but as for complete whole trilogies, I I would love to hear other other ones out there that you think are as good at, or better than this, other than The Dark Knight, The Star Wars, The Toy Story, and I guess you can say Godfather because the first two are that good, yeah, if you want to argue that. I can I throw one in? Yeah, be my guest. Can I throw one in? Uh, this might be a long, like a long shot, but I was thinking. Uh, I'm a horror fan, so I was thinking like the Evil Dead trilogy with uh, Army people, of Darkness. People love the Evil Dead trilogy. When yeah. I was looking at the list online, that came up in every list. I Army do love the Evil Dead trilogy, but I actually think the be- the most recent Evil Dead is the best one. 
the, the one that just came out in 2014. Yeah. Really? Oh, interesting. It's horrifying. It is horrifying. Wow. I like, you even go back and watch the Red Band trailer, and it still messes with me. Wow. Yeah. It was uh, one of the best movies I've seen in theaters. The last one we didn't mention here that <laughs> I, I think people will make reference to is uh, Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Because it's mm, Good, yeah. The Bad, and The Ugly is considered by a lot of people to be one of the all-time greatest films. And a lot of people don't realize that The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is actually the third film in the trilogy. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I saw that on there, and I was like, you're going to have to explain that to me. Yeah. So People are saying um, Last Crusade, World's End, Revenge of the Sith, Iron Man 3. See, I Iron Man 3 was so bad. Oh, 2 is bad. I think 3 is sweet. I mean, 3 is not great, but it's definitely a lot better than 2. <sighs> Wait, what do you guys yeah. think of the Godfather part 3? We it's think just it's, horrible. Yeah, it's, it's just horrible. Especially, it's, it's, it's really rough because the first two are so good. Yeah. Um... At World's End is the that we just were talking about that last week. That's the the uh, the, com- the the Edgar Wright. What the hell's the name of it? The, the confetti. <laughs> yeah, con, it's like con, the con, confetti. I can't think of it. So I, I know they're gonna say it me. again in the chat. I can never remember what it's what called. What a way to end such a powerful, you know, Godfather one. Like you said, yeah, so good. One, it was just... two, well, how do you how do you close the chapter on it? You do it like this. Yeah, exactly. You do it like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah so yeah, so, let's move on. Absolutely. So, guys, that's uh, some of our favorite third films and trilogies Cornetto. of all time. Thank you so much. I don't Cornetto. know why we can never remember that. Excellent. Uh, so, let's get into the next part of the show, guys. This is going to be Fist Pump Moment. And my yes. goodness, does this film have a lot of Fist so Pump many. Moments. Uh, fist Pump Moment's that moment you're watching a film, something happens, you look around. Sometimes you can literally see, be seen doing this move. Yeah. Uh, but also, just like, what's happening? Are you just like, I'm so excited to watch the rest of this movie? Yeah, if you're in a theater, something kind of happens, you look around, and everyone's kind of looking around. Yeah. yeah. I was like... I was, like, smiling like an idiot for the first 30 minutes if of this movie. If you saw three people in about 10th row just going like this, yeah. Yeah. I apologize that for was everyone us. at the theater. Yeah, we were... <laughs> we were excited. It was like, every time something yeah. happened, we get we up We all like, looked look at over. each other. Yeah, people yeah. Probably thought... <laughs> it, was, it was really exciting. I was, like, grinning for the first 20, 30 minutes. I, I was just so... I was just so, I caught like, that. I looked at you and you were just like... Yeah, it was just it. beautiful. <laughs> I was, like, so into it. Um, it it's, well, why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because the world that they created in the beginning of it, and that's another thing that, like, again, my friend Leah doesn't understand. Like, yes, these apes are speaking full sentences. Yeah. All of them are now. But it's because they've created this incredible world. Mm. What I, like, related this to, and I, I've said this to a lot of people this week, so we are not of age to have watched Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi in theaters. We were both born after those movies came out. Yeah. All three of us. Um, and But when I watch Empire Strikes Back, I remember as a kid... Being like, Empire is so cool because it opens in this totally different setting. Now we're on a snow planet. There's mm. Tauntauns running around. Uh, Luke's got a new light. Like, he's got a blue lightsaber now. Uh, or did he have a blue lightsaber in the first film? I guess he did. I guess he loses it at the end of that movie. You should know this. But uh, I, there's just, like, so much about the setting. There's a new base. Uh, we say we have walkers now. It's just like they, they created all this stuff that when you watch Empire Strikes Back... They start out there like the rebels are hidden in a base. And I that's what's so exciting about Empire Strikes Back. When I watched this film, it really reminded me of the feeling that I had, and I imagine people probably had when they watched that film in theaters for the first time, which is like, all right, so like, where are we at in the world now? How much further is it? And they're like, they, they do like the rise of the planet of the apes was this. There's the, the virus. Yeah. Dawn of the planet of the apes was this. you know. And then they're like, the war for the planet of the apes is this. Caesar is a, you know, he's rumored to be holed up in a bunker somewhere marshalling the war. Yeah. And I like read that and I was just like, I saw yes. your, your hand go up. <laughs> I was just so excited because I was like, oh my God, like I am so in on this movie. Caesar is like a general. He's a secret general hiding in a bunker yeah. in the woods, marshalling the war. He's a genius Game monkey. Over. He sounds like John Connor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sounds like John Connor. He sounds exactly like him. So, and then it opened up, and like the next moment was just like the woods, and you had like the donkeys. I was like, oh, this is new. We hadn't seen humans with yeah. like monkeys as donkeys yet. This is new information. I was just so excited, and it that was my fist pump. Was like that first ten or fifteen minutes of the film. I just really felt like they had put me in a world that I didn't expect they were going to be able to create something so new and fresh for this movie. Yeah, and the donkeys was such a cool, like, fucking... Oh, it was gnarly. But you knew it would happen. It had to happen. It made perfect sense. And, yep. like, even the name was perfect. Yeah, you Donkey. saw that it was, it, was, it was derived from Donkey Kong. Oh, did they? That's where it comes from. Obviously, like like mules, like donkeys, yeah. but also it makes sense that in the future they would, you know, Donkey Kong. Right, for yeah. sure. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Marina, you got a fist pump? Okay, so this could be, for me it's a fist pump, but it could also be someone's maybe favorite line. Um, when Caesar is finally going to go, you know, after the revenge, and he goes, I may not come back. Mm-hmm. And 
um, the one of the apes replies and says, "Well, I'm coming with you to make sure you do." Because yeah. then you just know something's something's about to happen. Yeah, like yeah. someone's gonna die. <clears throat> someone's gonna get shot. Someone's kid's gonna be. You know what I mean? Like you knew at that point. I mean, it, it was probably like the dramatic blackout after that. You know. Right. Kind of yeah. made it my like. Let's go. And it's also that thing that you love about every hero in all great action movies is when the hero tries to go off alone, and his two sidekicks or his best buddies are like, "No, man, right? You're gonna go die. We're gonna come die with yes. you. Yes. Yeah. If you're gonna come do this, we're gonna come do it with you. And you're just like, you're what? And that's the thing. That's why it's in action movies because yeah. it has those moments that make you go like, Gah! Yeah. This like is team. an action movie. Let's yeah. Go. Team like... back together. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so my fist pump, and I love it. I love that Joshua Boyd wrote it in the chat already because that is my fist pump moment. It's when that guy's like holding the sticks. They come up I'm on the farm. He's like, uh, "Let me just, let me just put down these sticks," and then he gets <laughs> capped right away, right? Like a shot. And you're like, "Oh Jesus, what happened?" You wonder if he shot someone. You're like, "Nah, you couldn't let the guy get off the shot. It'd be too bad if he killed an ape right away." Yeah. And then Caesar just walks out of the shed holding a shotgun. Yeah. Or a rifle. Yes. Right. Yes. War has destroyed you. You have yeah. become something that you didn't ever want to become. And it's just like, I love that. You, you guys know, I love heroes that are troubled. I love the creases of the world. You know, I love the alcoholic uh, Ethan Hunts of the world. Yeah. Or, you Go know, down like, that dark path. I love it. I <laughs> absolutely love it. And, when, and, I, and I couldn't believe it. I think that was the other thing is it was, I just right. couldn't believe that it was Caesar. Yeah, totally. At first I... It, when it all happened so quick, I'm like, he didn't just shoot him. You're yeah. like, yeah, he did. I'm, I'm like, like, no, yeah. he didn't. It's like, yeah, no, that was him. Yeah, Caesar's got For no sympathy, sure. no patience left. I mean, his family's gone. Like he's that like was Yeah, 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 exactly. He's got the, he's the hate. What can man do against such reckless hate? Such reckless hate. Yeah, and you know what? And this is actually what I wanted to talk about that moment. This is what I want to talk about the jaw drop moment. So Ben and I had had this conversation for a long time, and Chaz Hill, thank you so much for reminding us. We were, like, concepting show ideas for just, you know, other things that we could do. And we had, like, this top ten show. And it was kind of like you would take a holy shit moment or, like, a mind-blowing moment in a movie, like a reveal or a, a twist or a headshot, and you'd kind of blow it into the top ten. And so you said that we should bring something up called the jaw drop moment, which is a great moment. It's not the fist pump. It's not the, the moment of emotion. But there's a moment where something happens in a film. And I literally found myself with my jaw dropped. Like, absolutely 100%. And in this movie was when Caesar came back and Green Eyes and his wife had been murdered by Woody Harrelson. Right. I couldn't believe it. I don't know why. I don't know why that was so mind-blowing right. to me. But I just couldn't believe it. I just didn't think they, they would do that. Yeah, because, I mean, his son was a, an integral part of the film since the first, or the trilogy, since the first one. Yeah. They don't do that a lot in, in like, movies where they kill off the son of... Like, was he in the first movie? Yeah. The son? No, the second. Then he shows him the second, because it's... The second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, I, I have a good fist pump. Wait, green um, Joshua, you're on a roll. And also, thanks to Joshua, he's tuning in from Ireland. Oh, oh yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. We're glad to have you. When all the apes in the cage make the apes together uh, yeah, sign, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a good one. Yeah, 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 they do this one. one. Oh, and yeah. then he said, when bad ape got dressed. That was actually funny. Yeah. Bad ape got dressed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He just shows up in, like, a full sweater vest. And, right. <laughs> and he's well, like, I'm Steve's ready. On. It was Steve Zahn. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to say. We were, we were all trying, trying to figure out who the voice the, was. We, we knew, knew that voice, yeah, though, the whole movie. Yeah, it was driving me crazy. Um, uh, the Colonel lost his voice. Yeah, that was the other one. That, that was, was such a cool... In the seemed, blood from the yeah, nose, that yeah. was like... It just seems so appropriate. Like, yeah. it didn't seem like there would it, a, a battle between the two of them at the end of the movie would be right. No. You know? Yeah, of course, like, the general would be... That would have been too predictable. Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, on on the subject of why why uh, Bad Ape was able to be as smart as he was, um, it actually came from an interview promoting Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah, Andy Serkis was asked if the ALZ one thirteen drug had also affected apes outside of Caesar's tribe. Um, so Matt Reeves and Mark Bomback, the writers, took note of this, which led to the introduction of the Bad Ape. They wanted to show that it was all over the place and it wasn't just this small group yeah um, which made more sense and actually erased one of my complaints about this movie which was like why is this other ape able to just be like so smart um yeah for sure it was literally like i think the only thing about this movie that bothered me was i just didn't like that character but it felt like forced comedy yeah it just reminded me of other characters that have you know bothered me over the years yeah. in films that yeah. the act is comic relief <laughs> uh and you felt after that interview you felt like it you makes more sense i mean i still think that the i i think I don't know if it's that that character is annoying or if the tone of this movie takes itself so seriously that they weren't able to have a character like that, and that's actually a criticism of the movie. I'm not sure which it is, but it still felt out of place. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. I would agree that it felt out of place. 
All right, so let's get into let's get into our star profiles here. Let's move on and talk about these two guys and their careers, and they're doing great. Like both of these guys are doing fantastic. So Huge we'll talk right about now. Circus first because even though he's the star, he's definitely number two in in terms of stardom. Yeah. So um, Rise got him going in Planet or Dawn of the Planet of the Apes in 2014. Then he was in Avengers: Age of Ultron in 2015, and in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Does he play Ultron in Age of Ultron? Is that what it is? Uh, I he's no, he has like a weird name. I can't remember what it is. It's like huh. a, just like a weird character name. I can look it up right now. That's here. like literally, I think, of all of them, the only one I haven't seen. I watched the first 10 minutes of Age of Ultron on an airplane. And I just turned it off. I was not, that was Ulysses not. Klaus. Hmm. I liked I like Age of Ultron. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like one of the one few one, people yeah. that like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> Force Awakens, he plays Snoke, which uh, is, you know, I mean, he, he's the ultimate OCAP actor right now. He's the guy. He's like the guy. Yeah, and then... Someone asked online whether they or not they think the Academy should recognize mocap actors. I don't think it should be its own category. I don't think that like no. motion capped actors because there's going to be like two or three of them every year and he'll win it every year. Uh, however, I do think that the ability to play an ape in perfect motion capture should be like considered. Oh, in, I in think he should be nominated for best actor. I think he movie. should too. His voice is incredible. His speech, everything. He's the monologue. Incredible. He's yeah. a great actor. You also see the look on his face, and then you you see with all the technology, and it's like his face. They've yeah. they've CGI'd the face, obviously, but it's like his expression. Yeah, every expression that he makes is the real expression. Even when in the monologue when he's talking about how he had to shoot his own right. son, like I could feel the confliction he had. Like yeah, very 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 good, very yeah, talented, definitely. Um, so that's Andy Circus. Now Harrelson on the other side. Woody Harrelson quietly over the last five years has like completely and totally revitalized his career. I mean, Woody Harrelson went from being that, like, pretty good low-end A to high-end B actor that everybody knew who he was, who had been, like, good for a long time. Yeah, to, like, but then he went to, like, washed up and, like, kind of gross, I felt like. And now, and I think, like, since True Detective Season 1, right right in that oh, yeah. time, so I guess that would probably have been four or five years ago now, mm-hmm. um, he has... I mean, if you think about the things he's shown up in, he's in, like, every franchise now, right? He's going to be in the Han Solo movie. That's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Um, He's in, obviously, Planet of the Apes. He, I guess, back in 07, this would have been before, he was in, um, what's it called? No Country. I was going to say, yeah, he snuck in No Country and does a great job in there. Yeah, that would No Country would have been, like, the last. I think that's probably the biggest reason why he got True Detective. Was no country. country. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a few years apart, so I, I wonder, yeah, but he's great in that, and then obviously True D was, like, you know, this transcendent thing. I'm forgetting, like, at least one other, like, super, yeah, super an... big, I can't think what it would be, but also, by the way, Edge of Seventeen was, like, a very, very critically acclaimed film from last year that did really well, that movie's really good, and oh, he's... Zombieland, and both the Now You See Me's. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and he's so good in Edge of Seventeen. He's maybe my favorite part of that whole movie. I need to watch that movie. I've heard it's fantastic. It's really good, and yeah. he's a fantastic teacher. He's like a... You'll like that movie. He's he's super, super likable. Hmm. Um, Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. He's uh, had a good run. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I love it. I love I love Woody. Do you have a favorite Woody role of all time? Kingpin? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say Kingpin's got him <laughs> a favorite Woody Kingpin. role. He's so good. <laughs> he's so good. Oh, man. Marina, you got to watch that movie. He's got a great comb over in it and a sweet hook hand. Yeah. <laughs> he's, that movie's really good. <laughs> I think I think what happened was I saw Kingpin and I just didn't see Woody Harrelson do anything else for a long time, so I just thought he became that guy <laughs> or something as a kid. I don't know. Uh, all right, so moving into production development, we've got a lot of the same people that have been working on this franchise, but it's interesting how they did change the writer-director. Um, why do you think they took Rupert Wyatt out of this and, and decided to put in the director of, of Cloverfield? I know that Rupert Wyatt was, <clears throat> I think, to some degree, uninterested in going the direction they wanted to take the franchise. I believe I read that. Do you think it was too dark for him? I just don't think he wanted to make an action movie. And I Whoa. think they wanted to make a... What? Jamel Johnson. What happened? Woody playing the Colonel ranks higher for me than Humble and the Rock. That's outrageous. Don't be ridiculous. That's man. outrageous. You gotta, you gotta get back <laughs> over here. Get some fresh air. Uh, I think they wanted to go with a more action-centric director, somebody who... Yeah, I, I don't really know the real story on this, but I, I seem to remember reading when they were picking Matt Reeves for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes that that was the, the justification there. I mean, we can talk a little bit about uh, Matt Reeves and who he is and where he comes from. So yeah. um, We've actually of, talked about him on the show a, a a handful of times. A lot of people know that uh, Cloverfield was was um, directed by. Wait, no, no. Is it? Did he direct Cloverfield? Yeah, I believe so. 
Yes, he did. So a lot of people know that Cloverfield was directed by somebody other than J.J. Abrams, but it's like a J.J. Abrams-produced film. And people yeah. were always like, oh, so, wait, he didn't direct it? What happened? And uh, the deal was that Matt Reeves directed Cloverfield because he was a good friend of J.J. Abrams. They grew up together, actually. They've known each other since they were 13. So they were buddies. They did like they did some like digital transfers of old uh, film for Steven Spielberg when they were kids. They mm. like, and Matt Reeves just started out as he was a writer. He co-created Felicity with J.J. Abrams, and that was his big directorial debut. He wrote Under Siege Two: Dark so Territory. Better not leave that out. <laughs> but like, really, overall, he was still kind of just coming on the scene. He did Let Me In, the remake of Let the Right One In in yeah, 2010, which was the, the original is so good. Yeah, and the remake is pretty piss poor. Um, And then they gave him Donald Planet of the Apes. And I think it's kind of a testament to... I think it's kind of a testament to what they expected from Don. The Mm -hmm. fact that they gave it to him. Because he wasn't... He wasn't, like, an A-list director for hire yet. He had done Cloverfield, which was well-liked, but, like, not well-respected, I don't think. I think it just, like, made money and people remembered it for the way that they marketed the whole thing. The shaky cam Blair Witch monster movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Let Me In was just kind of a little bit underwhelming. So I think with Dawn, they were like, well, you've done some pretty big budget movies. You've worked with some pretty big people. You're a friend of JJ's, so let's give you this sci-fi movie and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's taking on the directorial duties of the Batman is is crazy. It's crazy. And it was after Dawn. That yeah. they, they were like, you know, you're working on a war. What we hear, this movie's going to be great. Let's you know, let's put you on Batman and see what happens because you can you can handle action. I mean, Don really shows that he knows how to handle action. That's like that's the thing is the other films that he did. It's it's not really showcasing what he's capable of. Don is like a true action movie, and that's yeah. where that's where you understand that he can do something like the Batman. So that's uh, that's Matt Reeves. Yeah, and then you get into the producers. It's it's like the same team of people that produced the last ones, and and also um, so you got Peter Chern and Dylan Clark, Rick. Jaffa and Amanda Silver and Silver and Jaffa are married and uh, they're a writing team a writing producing team and um, <clears throat> they're they're best known for Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn but they are currently working on uh, Avatar 3 and uh, and also the live action version of Mulan which I think would be pretty cool yep. they also co-wrote uh, Jurassic World and In the Heart of the Sea now Shannon and Clark are they're mainly just they've, they've, their careers have spawned from this franchise yep. essentially you know um and, and they're just going to continue producing with um, with Reeves. So they're going to work on the Batman with him. Yep. Yeah. So that's pretty much the team involved there. You know, Reeves, a co-writer. And the last guy you have is Mark Bomback. He's the other writer. Uh, he's worked on stuff like The Wolverine, Unstoppable, Great Film, Total Recall, Insurgent. Uh, he, you know, he's he's one of these these Hollywood uh, these Hollywood script you know script for hire guys. Um, he did produce and write Godsend in '04. That was the movie. The uh, Greg Kinnear, Robert De Niro, right, right, like, it's a horror, sound. religious horror thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think cloning or something. I can't honestly even really remember, but that was the the breakout film for him. So he's been working ever since then. So that's pretty much the team behind the film. Yeah. So let's get let's get in and talk about this movie critically, and we're going to rank the, the franchise. Even though I don't think that there's really a contention in which which movie the well, I think or what people, rank they fall in. What people want us to do is rank the nine films, but we're not going to do that. Oh because, no, we're going to rank the three we're <laughs> because just, we're not we're not like aficionados of the original five movies. It's just like not where we. Yeah, I've just seen these three and the Mark Wahlberg one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, all right, so this movie was produced by Fox. It was a budget of 150 million dollars. It was released on the 14th of July. Made sixty-two million domestic and forty-four foreign for a, a grand total of 106 million dollars worldwide, and it opened at number one. Uh, at $56 million, which was $10 million ahead of Spider-Man still. Or $14 million ahead of Spider-Man, Spider-Man. in week two. Well-deserved, I think. Spider-Man I think too, experienced yeah. you know, the biggest drop-off of a Marvel film yet, I think, in week two, which is so surprising, considering how great the reviews on that movie were. Yeah, and I, I actually really like Spider-Man. I was, I was really... When I was pulling the numbers, I was like, wait, something doesn't seem right. Yeah, it was a huge... It was a record drop. Uh, could just be superhero fatigue. People are just... People are burnt out, man. Yeah, just a lot of superhero movies. Do we think the IMD... IMDb 8.1 is low. Okay, so that, here we go. I think it's, it's low. Exactly. So IMDb 8.1 uh, and Rotten Tomatoes 95. Top critics, or all critics 95, top critics 94, and an audience was 88. I do think it's low, but I don't think, I think maybe by like a point. Like, like point a good, one. Point I, I don't think this movie is an all-time movie. I think this movie is really good. I liked it a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, is that when you give it to the point 8.2s, it becomes a top 250 movie, and I, right. don't, I don't know if it is that. But, I mean, this is what we've said for the longest time. But going by the IMDb metric, 
it uh, it doesn't allow you to have movies that get past 8.1, 8.2, 8.3 because yeah. they they don't exist. Because it becomes a whole another tier of movie. Right. So it's important to remember that it this is not really a scale of 1 to 10. This is like right. a scale of 1 to 8.4. Mm-hmm. So an 8.1 is a really, really, really highly ranked movie. Um, and that's where I just think, like, I, I think 8.1 is probably correct. This is like a really good movie that falls outside the top 250. Like, this is probably one of the thousand best American films ever made or something like that. 2,000, I don't know. It's like a really good movie, but there's yeah. so many good movies. And is it is it the, it's the best in the trilogy, right? Yeah, I think so. You I think, think so. You think it goes, do you think it goes War, Rise, Dawn? Or do you think it goes War, Dawn, Rise? Do you think it goes, do you, does they get better as it goes on? I honestly think that there's an argument to be made for each of the films. I think the, probably the consensus weakest film is Dawn, which is bizarre because mm-hmm. I think Dawn's so good. Um, thinking about it more and more, I think War is the best, but I could also see the argument that Rise is the best. Rise did such a good job taking a concept and really breathing fresh air into it. And Rise has a lot of... Rise is so much more of a drama, though. Yeah. So that, much more But that was also... You had to take that in a very important task to portray the story right. Yeah, you had you to know, tell you... If you start off on the bad foot... Perhaps there wouldn't have been a two or three. You, you know? had to set the stage, yeah. I mean, so I did think they did a really good job. It was a huge surprise that that first movie was actually what it was. Yeah. I don't... Like, that that first movie is as good as it is. Feels so much like it could have veered into bad territory so easily. But it didn't. I know. Do you know yeah. what I mean, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I, yeah. It, it was so close to being not a good movie, but it ended up being such a good movie. And that could be part because the world wasn't there yet. Yeah. You had to get on board with everything, whereas in Dawn, it's already established. Um, Wait, wow. So Sleeper X9 ranked, this is interesting, Rise 7.5, Dawn 7, War a solid 2. And yeah. he said, I can't help it. It did nothing for me. I'm so really curious as the, to... There are, the reason we talk about that at the beginning of the episode is there are a lot of people out there that don't like this movie. It, yeah. They think it's... it's. That's so... We walked out on like a high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly don't know what to tell you guys. I think maybe take some time, go back and watch it again, and remember that like, if you wanted a stupid throwaway action trilogy, there's eight Fast and Furious movies. Go watch those. Yeah. You know? Right. But if you want a real action drama this is an action drama the first movie was a pretty strict drama with some action in it like this is what you want like this is what we've been waiting for this is like these movies are just get better and better and better they don't fall apart like they're not taken over by star power the budgeting isn't the big thing it's just the storytelling and the great acting so like i understand that it's dark but you know, there's a reason Mission Impossible 3 is our favorite Mission Impossible as well. Also, I think it's really important to remember that, like, we live in a world now where a Planet of the Apes movie is not what it was back in the day. It's not, like, this, like, super campy... Uh, and, and the first Planet of the Apes movie has its charm, but, like, they made five of these movies back in a time you didn't make five movies. So the sequels were just these, like, very campy... Yeah. It's apes, and they're, yeah, like, people... it's a different generation that they're, you know... I mean, Anthony, can we cue up the uh, the Simpsons clip? Oh, because yeah. this, is, this is a good indicator of, like, what Planet of the Apes... Like, this is, like, one of my favorite things of all time. Uh, <laughs> Planet cool. of the Apes, the musical. If you guys don't remember this, <laughs> yes. this is, like, the greatest thing ever. Yeah, one of our fans is... <laughs> Help, the human's about to escape. <laughs> Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! <laughs> he can talk. He can talk, 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 he can sing! <laughs> <laughs> oh, help me, Dr. Sayers. Oh yeah, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. What's wrong with me? I love when I was like 10 watching this. I had no idea what any of it meant. It's my favorite. The ending. The ending's great too. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. That's enough of that. You can get this. That's, yeah, that's great. Uh. This is interesting. From Neo Bryce Largo. Thanks for tuning in. It was marketed as a war action heavy film, and it ended up being more character driven. Yeah, I can I can see where he's coming from. 
Yeah, I, like for me, it's that first twenty minutes, that world building, where you're like, this is this is this is the war film part of it. It's like yeah. because the concept of a war film doesn't necessarily just have to be like shooting each other in explosions. It's like the idea that you're. It's the disparity. It's 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 like what these people have gone through. I mean, even. Like, that's what makes Saving Private Ryan so great. It's not the war scenes. No. It's everything in between. It's the conversations about him being a teacher and about uh, about um, Giovanni Berbisi pretending to be asleep when his mom gets home. You yeah. know, like, those, those are the yeah. things that make you love that movie. If this movie was two hours of war porn, you guys would have hated it. We would have hated it. We would have come out with it and been like, all right, cool. The second movie was way more of, like, dumb, what you were asking. Monkey for. war porn. Yeah. And, I mean, it kind of was like the second movie has a lot of awesome parts but like yeah you got the crazy guy that blows himself up at the end you know with gary oldman it's like that's what you wanted yeah when koba and all the you know they all ride in on the horses and they're all shooting at each other like that's kind of what you're talking about and like we didn't have that scene this time Mm -hmm. and we didn't need it that like we had it already we got to see that already yeah and a lot of times the second film is the most entertaining or blockbuster type filming like two towers and dawn are great examples um the third story or the third film has to finish the story has to tell right. the rest of the story so so speaking of finishing the story uh we wanted to talk about characters that have the greatest endings to their arcs in a very specific way um i guess this this at this point we get into spoiler territory yeah, i mean I was, I was like why did you preface it that way but it was very it was a very good way to say it. yeah if you guys are watching and you haven't seen the film uh at this point caesar does die at the end of the movie and it's an awesome death mm-hmm. and it's a great very well earned death yeah so still we sad wa- so very, very sad. sad. Very sad. And we were sitting there, and we were kind of. I, I as soon as we walked out, I was looking over, and I was like, "Did you guys want him to die or not?" Because I was sitting there watching the final few moments, and I was like, "Oh man, they're gonna kill him, aren't they? They have to. It's just so classic." And I was like, "Maybe they're not going to." And then he, when he winces, when he does that little wince, I realized that I didn't want him to die. Right. Because it, it's like when you flip a coin and it lands on tails when you wanted heads. You're yeah. Like, Fuck! I wanted to do that instead. That was what it was. When I saw him wince, I was like, "No." No. Yeah, right. I mean, so we we started talking about great character deaths, greatest yeah. like hero deaths in films. Uh and it doesn't even necessarily have to be the main character, it's just a character that you really really love having a very impactful death. And Yeah. So what we're going to do because we wrote down like literally 50 of them mm-hmm. is we're going to reference three honorable mentions, no particular order each, and then we're going to each talk about our specific single favorite hero death in a movie. Uh and uh, we just we threw this at Blue Eyes this morning. So um <laughs> that's the name we're using for Marina. I, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh so if you welcome to to contribute, but we don't expect you to have your all-time I'll favorite. I'll start. How about that? Oh, please. Oh, oh, here she goes. She can talk. She can talk. She I can dance. sing. <laughs> Um, Mufasa. Uh, it's, oh, it's on the like, list. We love Mufasa. That's... Is that when, on the list? Even yeah. Without that's lo- brilliant. It is? <laughs> I didn't even know it was on the list. You, yeah. co- you copied me. You yeah. knew I was going to say that. That's... I mean, I don't think there's any words. No matter how many times you watch that movie, you repeatedly find yourself either crying or not wanting the him stampede to and it's scars yeah. digging his into his paws it's, it's oh, yeah you can't brutal. you can't beat it yeah it's one of the all-time greats Ooh, there's no M question in skyfall is a good one it's a big one yeah was spoiler real, alert guys real... <laughs> we're gonna spoil <laughs> every movie yeah, ever you for you right now yeah you should probably tune out if you haven't seen these um <laughs> that sucks we're gonna spoil every one of these movies hey man these <laughs> almost every movie that we're gonna be talking about has been out for quite some time yeah agreed uh so what you got a few honorable mentions i i i'll start out i'll throw okay. out my three um so Mike Murphy and Lone Survivor. I both both Mike Murphy and Axe in yeah. Lone Survivor are two of my favorites. Uh that's that's uh, Ben Foster and Taylor Kitsch. It's one of Taylor Kitsch's great performances. Um <laughs> We had this one of two. <laughs> uh but I love I love both of their deaths. I, we've talked about it on before. I died with my brothers with a full fucking heart. That's the Foster yeah. line. But the Mike Murphy one when he's like I have to get up to the top of the hill, the ridge. Um and so he starts climbing, and Wahlberg's just like, what are you doing? Like, don't go up there. But he does anyway, because he has to send the call, and he makes the call, and he ends up dying and getting shot oh, in the back. Oh, yeah. And it's a great scene. It's great music. It's like the swelling, incredible scene. Love Mike Murphy's death. Um, I'm going to go Maximus in Gladiator, because oh, how can you not? God. How can you That's not? mine. Yeah. It's, I mean, Maximus it's, is, a, is a hard sell not to just be the greatest of all time. It's like, one of the greatest deaths ever. Yeah, it's pr- a pretty unbelievable one. And then the third one I'm going to go with, as my honorable mention before my all-time favorite, is... Schwarzenegger, the T-1000 at the end of T2. Um, okay. There's still one ship left. And he gets, like, lowered down. Yeah, the, the thumbs and he, up. And then the thumb goes up before it gets lowered in. Because there's also another one from that same movie, and that's Miles Dyson. As he's sitting there with the detonator. Oh, and he's like, yeah. And he's getting short in breath. <gasps> yeah. Right? And then he lets it, and the place blows up. 
So all these all have so many good ones. But my good one. my single favorite of all time, I think, and this is bizarre because this is not one of my favorite movies of all time. In fact, I like this movie less than I like any of the other three movies I just referenced. But it's uh, it's the John Creasy death at the end of Man on oh, Fire. Oh man! When he goes on the bridge and he oh, sees yeah. Dakota Fanning. I love you, Creasy. Bear. I love you, Crazy Bear, and I know you love me too. Yep. And, oh, got the chills. That's right? one of my favorite movies, actually. Right? And and she says... It's the second episode we ever did, I think. Yeah. Or third. And he's First. like, you're going home now. And she goes, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going home, too, to the Blue Bayou. The Blue Bayou. And he sees... Mm-hmm. And he puts his hand on his chest, and he sees the laser, the dot laser. Yep. And he's bleeding out, and he dies in the car. And there's actually a deleted scene uh, that they didn't show yeah. at the end of this movie where he goes back to the uh, the compound, and he's still alive. And he's like he she shoved the explosives up that dude's ass. Yeah. He's got it shoved, shoved up his own ass, and he blows <laughs> he up. Blows up everyone, and he kills everyone. They didn't put that in the movie because it would not have been as good. The idea of Denzel jamming something up his yeah, ass to win, blow, yeah, it, doesn't, it just takes away the badass. You guys want to hear some of what they're saying? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. The bear and the edge. <laughs> yes, <laughs> good point. Marley and Marley and me. Yeah, yeah. Really. as an all moment creator, great. I like that. Yeah. Um, Slipknot from Suicide Squad. Which was Slipknot? Is that a... And Brad Pitt in Fury. Is that the guy with the tattoos? No, I didn't see Fury. No, Fury. Fuck! <laughs> Jet Lee and Hero. I know Slipknot is. Which one was, it was the that? Is that Jack Courtney? Or it, was is that the that, it was a throwaway character. But it's, it's like, he didn't even get his own uh, intro. He was played by that famous, I believe. Is that Steven? Steven, he's very excited. He's very excited. I feel like Steven's trolling us if he's talking about a good death in Suicide Squad. I feel like that's what Steven's doing. I'm pretty sure Steven's trolling us. Cut the mic. Anthony, is Steven trolling us? Yes. Yes. No, he's just talking very loudly next to me. (laughs) All right. Should we get into favorite line, my favorite segment? Yeah, yeah, after I get into my... Hero deaths because yes. I didn't get to talk about mine yet. Oh, I have some great ones. God damn, God damn it! I got some great <laughs> moments. Um, Bambi, Jesus, it's uh, a good one. Can't just write Bambi down. That's one of the all-time good ones. Uh, all right, so you took away Maximus, so you got to go William Wallace. Oh, you William can use Wallace. Maximus. I figured it was your favorite of all time. Well, yeah, you used him. So I so William <laughs> Wallace f- screaming freedom while he's getting tortured, yeah. while he's getting disemboweled, is incredible. Vigo at the end of the road is heartbreaking. Is one of the saddest deaths. Ever. Yeah. Speaking of of also uh, father son, the end of Road to Perdition when yeah. Tom Hanks dies yep. is Gets brutal. Shot through the back. But you know what I think is the most heartbreaking of all of these is the death of Legends, uh, <clears throat> the younger brother in Legends of the Fall. Right on the battlefield. He, yeah, he gets caught with a mustard gas and he's getting shot, and then he gets caught in the barbed wire fence, and Brad Pitt can hear him screaming like that is one of the most heartbreaking deaths. Oh, you know what? I got it. I got an even better one. What? Number one all-time G-Bonnie Rubisi, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, that's like probably your single that favorite. That is my singer favorite death. Or not favorite, but like most beautiful. But the Goldberg one is like the hardest to watch right. I've ever seen. Great movie. Yeah, so there we go. There's like six deaths that I love so much. Captain Miller in that movie and also oh, yeah. Harry Everyone's, Pepper's death. All their deaths in that movie. Every single death is great. Even Sizemore's. Yeah, even Sizemore's so death. He's just asleep. He knocked the wind out of me. I'm, I'll be all right. Yeah, Hank's on the bridge shooting at the tank. Yeah. That movie's so good. It's perfect. That movie is like, it's crazy when you watch a movie, and I hadn't seen Saving Private Ryan in 15 years. It's crazy when you watch a movie and you're watching, and you're like, there are moments in this movie that are iconic, and I have, I have only seen this movie like two times. Yeah. But like, the, I can recognize that him on the bridge shooting at that tank is iconic. I can totally. recognize, you know what I mean? That's like, how you know a movie is is classic and timeless is when you can see it once or twice and like those scenes stick with you forever yeah 100 uh, marina would you like to introduce the next segment of our show favorite line <laughs> or i'd like to call it all moments for you okay that's what that's what i do that's what i brought here explosions of emotion yeah explosions of emotion what you got um, so submit them i know you guys probably have a ton <laughs> as this was very uh emotional and serious so submit your all moments yeah submit them um all right so let me start off one of them was when Maurice is with the little girl and he just cannot stop looking back at her and she's just like, we must go. Like, there's nowhere for her to go. Right. I cannot leave her. And I just, like, immediately yes. fell in love with him. Like, yeah. I'm like, that was amazing. Especially when he puts the flower in her hair and then ends up giving it back um, that was really sweet when the other eight passes yeah. away. Agreed. I was so glad that wasn't Maurice. I would have been oh, very my, unhappy At first, we, right. we thought it yeah, was, though. I was, I was sure it was him. And yeah. then when... Um, Rocket goes to distract, you know, the guards. Right. And they shoot him, doesn't die, and puts him with all the other apes. And 
he does sign language to Caesar across from the other. There's just a nice setup. Like he was yeah. behind bars, he yeah, was behind yeah. bars, isolated by himself, and he does at least this time I was able to protect you. Because yeah. for so long Caesar's been the only person that's you know in charge. They bow down to him. He's been yeah. the one that's protected everyone. And Rocco's right. supposed to be protecting his son too. Right. Yeah. I love the team. I love that he has his guys. Yeah. And that they're so loyal. Well, yeah. And it's like it's what we were talking about earlier. Is like the general with his guys. Um. And but it's, I love that they're apes and we know their names and we care so much. Yeah. You know. Totally. Yeah. Um. What's your favorite line, Bateman? I honestly, I mean, a couple we've all talked about now. I'm jumping around between them. I kind of like one of the ones you were just talking about, though. I, I like when he looks over at him and he says, are you ready to talk about escape now? Yeah. That's, the, that's I think, the line that I like. Because I love that it's the prisoner thing. You get your ass kicked, you're in prison, and you start to give up. Yeah. And somebody has to inspire you. Yeah. Uh, it's like, the, also the buddy, too. It's like, oh, he got caught. Oh, no. And then he, he's getting his ass beat, and then he gets up. He's like, all right, how you feeling? Yeah, you ready right. to go? Yeah, yeah. you're like, all yeah, right, so there's something else going on. Um, I think mine's when he's talking to the donkey. It's like that moment. It's like that moment in, in Straight Outta Compton, that moment in so many movies where you've got the, the... In this one, it's literally an ape talking to a gorilla. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Right. What are you doing to us? Right. And he's like, I saved myself. And Caesar responds, is there anything left of you to save? Which I just love that line. Yeah. It's just a great line. It speaks, so, it speaks to so much more. And we all know what it speaks to. He left it, him speechless. Yeah. The yeah. donkey just kind of looked at him with his mean right. grin. Absolutely. And then you know exactly what happens later on with what the donkey does to, to try to redeem himself. Um, yeah. That's just a just a beautiful line. There's so many of them, though, in, in this film. Yeah. That's definitely my favorite. They definitely did a fantastic job with that. So uh, let's get into the next part of the show, guys. AMA question. AMA question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had some fans submit questions. Uh all right, let's start with Scott Hunvold via the Facebook fan page, which you can find on Facebook, Action Movie Anatomy fan page. Mm-hmm. Um, is Andy Serkis the best mocap actor, and should the Academy start recognizing mocap performances at the Oscars? Well, I don't think you need to start recognizing mocap performances because, unfortunately, this would become a category like so many of the Oscars categories that like no one would watch or give a shit about or pay yeah. attention to. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it would be like it used to be with animated films when there was like one good animated film a year and it was like the same, you know, if they had had a best animated film, it was like you just knew it was going to win. Mm-hmm. He deserves more than that. Andy Serkis deserves to be nominated for best actor. Like you get, if you get nominated for, for uh, you, if you can get nominated for a best actor for doing the voice in a film, you can, right? Yeah. Of course you can. Then you should be not. You should be able to be nominated for best actor for doing mocap in the voice of an ape. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's the whole thing. It's just because it's CGI. I think it takes away from the performance because you don't actually see Andy Serkis. But like, look, if Daniel Plainview or Lincoln or any other bleeding man actor just had the accent but just stood like and talked like they do normally, like that's how Daniel Day Lewis talks. But I'm saying things that Lincoln says. It's it's a full performance, right? And, and Andy Serkis has done. How many times have you looked at a person and just been like, that's, a, that's an ape moving and talking? Right. You know, like, it's a very hard thing to do. You even watch other actors on the screen. It's like, they don't do it as well as he does. No. They just don't. And um, so do I think, like, yeah, like you said, no, I don't think there should be a specific category for that. Like, I think there should be a specific category for stunts. I 100% think there should be a stunt yeah. category. Yep. Uh, even if it is one that's kind of overlooked, I think that's more important. I just yeah. think that mocap mo- actors shouldn't be forgotten in uh, running for best actor. Yeah, I agree. I just think he, like, I think he should be nominated for best actor. Now it does get into that whole conversation that when they expanded the Oscars to more than five films because they wanted to be able to legitimize other performance or other films and other genres. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the territory you get into. I think you're going to have a hard sell telling people that Andy Serkis as Caesar in War of the Planet of the Apes deserves to be one of the five nominated, especially when. <sighs> You want to be able to honor Hugh Jackman as Logan, like yeah. it's hard. Like the Academy, it's a bunch of you know, it's a bunch of old, crusty people who have been voting on things for like forty years. So they're gonna have a hard time giving credit where credits due. Um, they're gonna always want to nominate Denzel Washington for Fences over you know Andy Serkis for War yeah. of the Planet of the Apes. Um, so I don't know that it will happen, but I definitely believe in it. So I want to touch on this again really quick because. It was mentioned again in the chat just now, and we've had a lot of people talk about it, and we kind of touched on it at the beginning of the episode. Again, we understand that you guys are fans of the show, and we, we love that you guys are fans, and we know that a lot of you didn't like the movie, but it is not our job to make you dislike a movie and then go and watch it. Our job is to make you love a movie. Our job is to make you get excited to watch a movie. And if there's a movie that we don't particularly like, we like to get you excited about the parts of it that we love. 
so right. that you are still excited to watch it. If we did an hour and 20 minute show about how this movie wasn't what we thought it was going to be or how it was kind of a letdown, how many of you would be dying to go see it? Right. I just did this episode. I want to go watch this movie again right now. Yeah, I agree. That is our job. And that is why you guys love watching this show. So you're not going to like every movie we do. We're not going to like every movie we suggest. But uh, we're going to keep rolling. Yeah, and I mean, to be totally, to be completely fair, guys, uh, recent movies that you guys have been suggesting that I watch, I watched Rush. I watched Two Guns. I've been listening. Yeah. I try to go watch the movies you guys tell me to watch we that listen, I haven't we, seen. We did Safe House on the show because of you guys. Yeah, there's movies that we have done on the show <laughs> that we have found we have not been that pleased because they've been suggested by the audience. And <laughs> but we love you guys, so we do them. So we do the movies because yeah. we know what you guys want to hear about. And yeah, ultimately, guys, there are going to be plenty of people who talk about why this movie is not good. Trust me. Look on YouTube. You'll find people talking about it. Oh, they'll be a lot more popular than we are. But if you've watched this show for 100 episodes, then you know what we're about. And we're not going to just ever be about shitting on a movie just to shit on a movie. I mean, we did... Independence Day Resurgence on the show, and we found the positives there. So, and that was the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> even, yeah, even, literally, even harder than that thing they referenced in that ninety-eight degrees song. The hardest thing I ever had to do <laughs> was that Nick Lachey. It was Nick Lachey. But I think uh, I have a good question to kind of wrap up the question. Okay, yeah, sure. Do you wish they would have left it open to a fourth movie? And the reason why I like this question is because when I walked out, I said I don't think they could have had him die. I, I don't know. I, I don't think he had to. But with that being said, that he did die, mm-hmm. which everyone knows, so I'm not a spoiler, I can see a fourth movie coming back with the son. Would Before, you? What I wanted to happen, I don't know, because I think it ended off on such a high note. Uh-huh. So maybe not. Could I see them maybe trying to, if they wanted to, and you know they wrote this amazing script that they think could top this? I right. don't know. But. The fourth movie's been in the works since... That's what someone was saying Before already, the yeah. third film was released, actually. So they knew they were going to kill Caesar, and they knew the fourth film was still going to happen. Because this is supposed to act as something of a prequel to the original films, yeah. and Maurice is supposed to become like basically like the lawmaker figure okay. that you see in the original films, oh, yeah. uh, there will have to be some sort of a bridge movie. They'll, I don't know that they would do like another trilogy. I doubt that. But mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a fourth movie that doesn't do as well as this because Caesar's not in it, and then that's where they end, that's where they end it. Yeah, and Jamal has a great question here, too. He says, given the time gap, uh, did this movie serve as a good prequel, prequel to inspire you to watch the original? Um, I'll answer that and say no. And the reason for that is because I think it suffers. I don't think... I think what what I love so much about this trilogy is not in any of the other films in the franchise. Mm. I think that's what it is. You know, like, I think a lot of the other films, like the sci-fi campiness and, like, this new planet and, like, the apes were the villains. And and what I love so much about this franchise is that they're the heroes. And I think that... I, I don't really care about the origin story of everything else. Like, now that this is the new prequel, like, I'm totally on board with this, you know? So, um, I think... I think in creating fans of, of Planet of the Apes, I think it was very successful. I just don't have the desire to go watch the original. That's all. Yeah, I mean, the first movie is the only one of those originals that I've seen any of. Um, and I did watch it with my dad, but I didn't watch the whole thing as a kid. And it's it's iconic and memorable, and they were definitely trying to do something. They were pushing the envelope. But it's also one of those things where, like, time moves on and time changes. Yeah. And, like, people walking around in rubber ape masks is... It's just not satisfying in the same yeah, way. Yeah, you even watch the Tim Burton one, and it's it's probably more displeasing to the eye than the original. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that would be my answer. Uh, we only have two things left to do on the show. The first one is talking about categories, and, and sometimes there's a question. I don't think there really is one here. Uh, totally legitimate, totally ridiculous, or ridiculously legitimate, uh, which is on the spectrum of falls off a cliff, you laugh, yeah. you laugh, and it's ridiculous, but you enjoy it. Completely legitimate, like a very like an awards-worthy film, and then the middle category being something that is kind of a hybrid of the two. For me, this is just very clearly totally legitimate. I don't yeah. think there's... No, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say. There's no... A conversation. I think in the old days when we had a specific genre of movie that we would do, it was more of a question because so many of them fell in the middle category, category yeah. to begin with. When you choose a movie like this that takes itself so seriously, I mean, actually, you know, I take that back. This could have been this could have been ridiculous. Could have been, been, done, been yeah. done badly. Yeah, an ape movie taking itself this seriously could have failed. It just didn't. It was I think really good. It was good. just done so well that it it has to be legitimate. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, so if if anything's crazy about Dunkirk next week. Um, I think that uh, well, pitch. Yeah, we're not good that, at waiting for the pitch. We always well, we've already in. got we've already posted for the last yeah <laughs> two months of what the show's going to be. If anything, I, I I think Atomic Blonde would maybe be in the middle category. Maybe maybe, but there's no way that this movie or Dunkirk or 
the movies we've covered almost this whole month are, are last but just month. because a film intends to be totally legit doesn't mean it always is so. right but i just mean like that these are these are critically acclaimed successful right like serious films totally so there's only one category <laughs> left and that's called <laughs> the pitch yeah you just psych you guys out because we did it and then now we did the pitch. <laughs> no, we did that um so we're doing dunkirk yeah. yeah, and I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious about Dunkirk. Well, so I said last week, uh, I spoke with a, a guy at a junket that I was at who had just seen it, and he said that it was Christopher Nolan's worst movie, which was disappointing to me, and I asked him what his favorites were, and they were really good movies. Yeah, I think yeah. he said his two favorites were two of my favorites. And he would also he knows his entire catalog. But then again, I just read on Entertainment Weekly that Dunkirk is the best movie of the year by far, um, and I'm reading other reviews that Dunkirk, it's getting mixed reviews. Okay. Look, we were two of the people that were super excited for Interstellar, and that movie was, like, pretty universally, like, kind of people turned their nose at it as being, like, an overly long, just sort sort of involved epic. And I really like Interstellar. Well, I also think that it's being remembered more fondly now, too. Yeah. I think, I think Nolan has this thing behind him now. It's like the James Cameron effect. Right. Steve, and Steven Spielberg has fallen off because he's done so many movies now. But it's like when a Nolan film comes out, you expect it to be one of the best movies you've ever seen. Right. Now I, ex- I expect that out of Dunkirk. I, I am <laughs> and it's not fair. super fucking excited <laughs> yeah, for Dunkirk. Yeah, I'm so excited. And it's a World War II movie. It's not like an actual action movie. I'm sure there's going to be some action, but this is not a... This is supposed to be a historical drama. So that's yeah. what we're getting into. Uh, Valerian, I don't know. Ben and I have a sore spot for Valerian. We were there at Comic-Con last year. <laughs> Luke Besson walked right past us on the carpet. No, that's not why. Uh, <laughs> look, if Valerian's sweet, we'll cover it on the show. It just looks ridiculous. It just looks... Look, guys... I have heard time and time again from people that have seen it that it is basically like a prettier, more updated version of The Fifth Element, which is a movie that I have a difficult time watching. <laughs> it's not one of my favorite movies. I know I'm in the I know I'm in the minority there. People love that movie. We did it on we the, did show. the show. It was fun. Uh, it's just not a movie that I mean. I think we'll probably see Valerian. I just don't think we're going to cover it on the show. Yeah, I'll probably see it one day. Yeah, not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alright everybody Thanks for tuning in You guys can find me At Andrew Guy On Instagram and Twitter You can find the Facebook page The Action um, Action Anatomy fan page On Facebook And uh, you can find us At AMA Podcast On Twitter as well The Action Anatomy fan An page Action Anatomy <laughs> I had a really hard time Talking today Yeah Every now and then It happens Right But it just was hard today It was a tough one It was a really hard Making words sound making human words today was a hard sound out of my mouth No No <laughs> Uh, guys, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. We were just announced this morning as being part of the uh, the Ultimate Schmodown Tournament, the eight-team bracketed tournament on Schmoes uh, over at Collider, which we're really excited about. That'll be coming up here pretty soon. Team Action, we're going to be taking that tournament down. We're going to be taking that tournament down. We're going to murder you. We're going to murder everybody out there that doesn't think that we're going to win because I am so sick and tired. Can I do this right now? Do what you're I'm doing do. it. I'm sick and tired of everyone taking us for granted. You guys think we're lucky. You think we just spent action. You have no idea. We're coming for you. And for the fans of our team, thank you so much for your undying support. Right. Yeah. Carla was the prom queen. Carla um, was the prom <laughs> I hate the. I hate him. Yeah. Uh, Blue Eyes, Marina, where can the folks find you? Blue Eyes. Uh, at Marina underscore Verano, V-A-R-A-N-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, as I always say, make sure to chat on the Facebook page. Yep. And tune in AMA podcast. I like to talk to all of you, so... Yeah, and please, as we say every week, you know, harass Marina about the movies she needs to watch. She's got yeah. a, she's got harass. a lot of action movies she needs mm-hmm. to watch, and if you have one, you think you just know she needs to watch, please write her a completely appropriate message about watching it. Because, had, yeah, uh, completely appropriate. We had a couple of nice, subtle little uh, that you you loved, Man on Fire. There was another movie we talked about today that you that you knew yes. really well, and yeah. that was, that's good. Those are Man good movies. Man on Fire. I Such watched it when I was movie. yeah, because Denzel was yeah. your guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. obsessed. Yeah, but action. I've watched it a few times. I, actually, recently, I love that movie. Yeah, I love Man on Fire. Did you say maybe get? into the second round I'm gonna find you I'm gonna find you uh, alright uh, guys thanks so much for tuning in thanks for tuning in and thanks we'll see you so guys much. we'll be back to our normal time next week of 12.30 for Dunkirk bye yeah. guys bye. bye from producers Maria Menounos Kevin Undergaro Phil Svitek and the entire Popcorn Talk Network we would like to thank you for tuning in for questions or comments be sure to visit popcorntalk.com I'm Sir Richard Wentworth and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.